Good morning, everyone. Welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. I'm Larry Kay, uh, recovered from Chicago, filling in today, pitching in. Today is Sunday, July 7, 2019. Let me give you the share ID number for Friday, the numbers, I should say, plural, for Friday, July 5, 2019. And they are the following. For the 7 a.m. meeting, Big Book study on uh, on Friday. That number is one thousand. Excuse me, thirteen thousand one hundred eighteen. That's one three one one eight. And for the ten a.m. meeting, that share ID number is thirteen thousand one hundred twenty. That's one three one two zero. This morning, a vision for you presents step twelve: share it or wear it. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and practice these principles in all our affairs. You know, the big book instructions for the 12th step are, are exceedingly clear. Um, if, if we are to remain in a recovered state of being, aligned, you know, with the power greater than ourselves as the result of these steps, then it's going to most certainly be our responsibility to carry this message to the still suffering compulsive overeater. It's, uh, it's not an 11-step program. It's a 12-step program. And service is the essence of this practical program of spiritual action. We want to always remember the admonition on page 77. I think admonition means something like a warning. I'm not sure. But the, the, the warning is our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. And so we carry this message to others who are afflicted with the, the same malady we are so that they can learn how to, how, you know, how to work these principles, work these steps, and, and thus change their lives. Joining us this morning to share her experience with Step 12 is Nessa R., and Nessa is a loyal servant of Overeaters Anonymous. You'll hear her share on the vision for you. And she hails from the, the Ontario province, capital, uh, Toronto. I know, Nessa, there's a great zoo up there and some cool skyscrapers. So just please join me in welcoming Nessa R. to the line. Good morning, Nessa. Vanessa, press star one if you would. Nessa, we don't hear you yet, so if you're might be a a little technical snafu here. I'm sure Nessa will press star one or maybe she's dialing back in. We can do a little song and dance until she gets on the line. Although you won't be able to see the dance. So while this is um, kind of working her deal to get on here, I know there can be some technical difficulties sometimes with the, uh, the muting of the lines, unmuting. But um, again, the uh, website for Vision for You is www.avisionforyou, A-V-I-S-I-O-N, the number 4-Y-O-U.info. So, um, you know, Jump on the website if you get a chance. Among other things, you're going to see the meeting information, the call-in numbers. You're also going to be able to register for uh, the 2019 convention, The Power of the Big Book, in Newark, New Jersey, northern New Jersey, in November, November 15th through the 17th. So, um, so we're waiting for Nessa, and she did check in earlier, so I know, and she was coming through loud and clear. So she may have... Hi, can you hear me now? There she is. Hey, Nessa. 
Good morning. Okay, Perfect. what a panic. I kept pressing star one, and he kept telling me that this feature is not available on this line, and I tried from my – I'm on a landline now, and I tried from my <laughs> cell phone, and nothing was working. I was hyperventilating. Can I tell you what, Nessa? That, that has happened to me so many times. It's a great opportunity for us to just kind of go with it, right? So here we can hear you. Awesome. Thanks so much for your service. And now, Nessa, I hate to say it, but now we, we lost you for a moment. So press star one if you would. Hello, can you hear me now? Yeah, you go you go right at it, Nessa. We're good. Oh, my gosh. Um, this is uh, God sending a message that he's running the show <laughs> and not me. So yeah. um, I, if it happens again, let me know. Um, sure. Okay, so uh, my name is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada, recovered for about seven and a half years by the grace of God through working this, um, this absolutely wonderful program of recovery that starts with entire abstinence and continues through uh, with the, the 12 steps that's outlined in the big book. So today I'm just going to focus on the last step. Um, the last step, step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And um, uh, being at step 12 presupposes that I have already worked steps 1 through 9 to learn the skills that I need to live a recovered life, and I am practicing them um, in steps 10 and 11 every single day of my life. So the first thing that I, I want to do is understand what step 12 means. You know, um, I also want to understand why it is important to carry the message, how to sponsor, and finally um, um, clear some confusion about step 12 and maybe debunk some myths. So with regards to the wording of step 12, it says, having had a spiritual awakening as the result the result um, of working the steps is the spiritual awakening. You know, it tells me that unless I work these steps, I'm not going to get there. And that means all the steps. Um, you know, when I get to, to step two, I uh, came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. I don't have a spiritual awaken, awakening yet. I'm, I'm merely identifying what my solution is. The awakening come after um, I do all the work. And it says these steps, not some of the steps, not certain steps, not whatever steps I want, these steps, the steps that are outlined in the big book. And then it says we try to carry this message. It's very specific. What is this message? The message of recovery that is outlined in the big book. Um, entire abstinence plus the 12 st steps are in order um, as outlined here, as I've said before, and to practice these principles. Again, um, uh, Bill W. was very fond of the English language, and he didn't like to repeat himself word after word, so he used synonyms. So these principles actually refer to the steps. You know, although we apply these steps um, to our, our, our problems, our food addiction, um, these are principles, these are steps that, that we need to apply um, outside of these rooms as well in our conduct with others. But, you know, the words the, 
these and these are specific referring to this message of recovery in here. Um, anything outside of the, this the, the big box is, I guess, is excluded by definition. So now, um, why, um, how do you know if you have had a spiritual awakening? And, and to me, this is the, um, the test. Are the step ten, nine and step 10 promises coming, coming true? And I'm not gonna go through the promises here. You can read them um, starting on page 83 for, for uh, the promises in step nine and, and page 84 for the promises of step 10. You know, uh, if the mental obsession have, ha, has been removed, is, if I'm starting to see these promises come through, then I am ready to carry the message. So um, why it is, a, how do I carry the message? Okay, there's primarily three places to carry the message. Okay, number one, first and foremost, is sponsoring. And we're going to talk about more about sponsoring. Actually, this whole thing is going to be about sponsoring. But I can also carry the message in the meetings uh, and also outside of these rooms. Um, meetings have a, a very important role in our recovery, but there's, there's two separate um, kind of functions of meetings. You know, there's the need to go to meetings before recovery, and there's the need to go to meetings during and after recovery, I mean, while, while we are recovered. So when we are in the process, in our journey to recovery, it is important to go to meetings not to carry the message, but to hear the message, to in, immerse ourselves in the message of recovery. And for that, what I usually tell my sponsees is go to strong, healthy meetings, because you need to hear a strong, healthy message and acquire strong, healthy skills and habits. After, once we are recovered, then um, strong meetings, although are, are still important, um, the so-called weak meetings become even more important. Because let's face it, you know, this meeting is a very strong, healthy meeting, but does it really need NSR to carry the message? Absolutely not. There's like, um, I don't know, 100 people, maybe more on this land that are recovered that can do the job. Okay, but what about my local struggling meetings? Those are the meetings that, that, that need me. That's where I go to carry the message. Um, and to me, that's, that's the role of, of meetings. And then outside of these rooms, which is, um, um, I think, self-understood, as we, we come in contact with others, um, you know, friends, relatives, acquaintances in business, you know, in the, in the supermarket or the drugstore, you know, wherever. Um, people that would not otherwise step into the doors of OA. And I'll talk about that a little bit more um, later. But why, why do I have to sponsor? Why can I just work steps 1 through 11 and call it a day? You know, like who needs the hassle? Who needs to spend so much time on the phone? Who needs to spend so much time going to meetings? I mean, like I'm a busy person, don't you know, and I have a million things on my plate. Why do I need to spend hours in my day doing this? Um, so for me, the most beautiful explanation comes from Dr. Bob. It's also extremely succinct, um, which is probably uh, why it's so beautiful. So this is what Dr. Bob says. It's my duty. It's a pleasure. Repaying my debt to the sponsor. And when I do it, I take insurance against relapse. And I don't know um, if they're in, in that order for a reason, if he meant anything by it. Um, but when I read this, um, this told me I'm doing 
I'm, I'm carrying the message. I am sponsoring for me because I needed to stay well. And this is evidence in many, many places in the big book, um, you know, starting um, with working with others, which is the, the place where we go for the instructions on how to sponsor. Right off the bat, it tells me, practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. It works when other activities fail. And later on in the chapter on page 97, it says, helping others is the foundation stone of your recovery. A kindly act once in a while isn't enough. You have to act the Good Samaritan every day if need be. Um, you know, but this is not the first place where the big book talks about how, why it's important to sponsor. You know, as early as the forward in the, um, in the second edition, and I'm just going to it right now, you know, it says, um, it is also, it's, and that's page XVII for those who want to write it down. Um, it, so it also indicated that strenuous work one alcoholic with another was vital to permanent recovery. Vital means life-giving. You know, if I don't sponsor, I'm not going to stay recovered. Um, and I also want to focus on the word strenuous because strenuous means requiring or using great exertion, which means, yes, it's inconvenient. Yes, it takes time. Uh, but that's part of what strenuous effort means, and it's critical. It's crucial for me to keep what I have. And what's interesting is that the word strenuous is, is used um, in, in four other places in the big book. Um, in, um, in page 64, the word strenuous is used with regards to um, step four where it says um, strenuous effort to face and to be rid of the things in ourselves which has caused our failure. You know, that's a very intensive step. But what's, what's, what's pretty interesting to me is that there's another place that the word strenuous is used, and it's also used by Dr. Bob, where it says, coming up to final exams, I went on a particularly strenuous spree. Um, there's the word again, strenuous. So if I can strenuously work on my disease, because I went to great lengths to satisfy my desires for food, I... I invested a lot of time and effort in the planning and execution of my sprees. You know, I need to be willing to spend um, at least half as much in working with others. And I think also, also Dr. Bob said, if we spend um, half the amount of time on our recovery that we spent on our disease, we will be okay. Um, so... Um, Pages in, in Bill's story on page uh, four, pages 14 and 15, I'm sorry, I'm just going to those pages. It says here, um, my friend had emphasized the absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles in all my affairs. Particularly, was it imperative to work with others as he had worked with me? Faith without works is dead. Uh, I know we use that, that as a slogan in the rooms, and we use it extremely loosely to apply to a whole bunch of different things. But faith with that works is dead applies here to sponsoring, you know, to passing on the message. And then um, in page 15, uh, when all 
but I soon, sometimes they uh, this sometimes nearly drove me back to drink. But I soon found out that when all others measured failed, work with another alcoholic would save the day. So, so it tells me that I don't sponsor and pass on what I received. Um, I will not get to keep it. Okay, like this is truly the true meaning of the slogan "share or wear it." Like I've seen so many sponsees on the cusp of recovery. Like they have step ten down pat, they do them religiously, you know, you know, as many times a day as necessary. They do their meditation faithfully, but when it comes to sponsorship, there's all kinds of quote unquote reasons, you know, like well, I have more more children, I don't have privacy, my schedule's unpredictable, I will do it after I finish planning the wedding, um, and my favorite of all, which was my my excuse. What if I do a horrible job? What if I ruin somebody, um, you know, when I'm trying to sponsoring or I'm not good enough, I don't know enough. Like I, I was plagued with these doubts and they seem pretty reasonable and maybe they are, but they're really just smoke screens. And ultimately, you know, giving in to these excuses leads to the food. Um, I didn't give in by the grace of God uh, and also <laughs> to the push of my sponsor. Uh, but um, some people do give in to these excuses and it only leads to the food. Um, so what is a sponsor? So as, as I said, you know, on page 87 it says, uh, talks about strenuous work. And strenuous work means uh, one alcoholic to another, uh, one compulsive overeater to another, one-on-one -on -one work taking, pe uh, taking uh, people through the steps. This is the only job of a sponsor. You know, I, I often say, you know, a sponsor is not a therapist, a social worker, a marriage counselor, a nutritionist, a lawyer, a financial advisor, a doctor. I mean, I, I think it actually would be a disservice to my sponsees if I, if I were to venture in any of these areas. I mean, my, my gosh, I could kill them uh, with my advice. Um, you know, the only thing that I uh, or anybody who's recovered is an expert on is the disease of compulsive overeater eating and recovery therefrom. I mean, this is really the only area where I can be of help. And the only way I, I'm a, the only thing I need to do to be of help is tell them where I've been and what I've done. Um, you know, um, of course that when we speak to sponsees, um, these kind of problems do have a place in the discussion, but only with regards to the application um, of the steps, you know, with regards to how do I, I deal with resentments and fears. Um, so if, for example, if a sponsee has a fight with their the spouse, I mean, we review the resentments, uh, we review the fears and take them to um, steps four to nine so that they can clean their side of the street, the, the street. But I cannot help them without beyond that, you know, like I cannot tell them, you know, what to do, you know. Um, I mean, if they need to make amends, maybe I can offer some coaching on how to make amends. But I cannot tell them, you know, next time this is how you approach your husband or if you want something, this is how you communicate. I, 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 this is way out of my depth. I can't help in that area. You know, and oftentimes if these problems are pervasive, you know, they may have to seek professional help, whatever it may be, and I need to point them to that. You know, I find this a lot too with um, codependency. Uh, you know, a lot of us suffer from codependency, and uh, which is, I guess, another addiction, but I'm not 
a recovered codependent and I cannot even take people through the steps um, um, on, on this particular uh, aspect of addiction and so I may have to redirect them to another program, you know. Um, the, the other thing to remember uh, is that a, a sponsor is not perfect. A sponsor is human and a sponsor makes mistakes. You know, nobody's really born knowing how to sponsor. Um, you know, this is learned on the job. You know, the, the, the more I sponsor, the better I get at it. You know, I tell you the truth, I still feel bad for my first sponsee and maybe even the second and the third. But I also know that the more I have sponsored, the more experience and knowledge I have learned um, that helps me because I've seen a lot more situations. Um, I've, ha I've, I've gotten to ask a lot more questions of my own sponsor on how to handle this or that. Um, situation, and I've gotten more confident. Um, do I know it all? Absolutely not. I still, I still use the book, and I still use my sponsor for um, um, for my uh, doubts. So, how to sponsor? Luckily uh, for us, we live in, in in this in this time where we actually have resources to help us. Uh, way back when, in the 30s, there were no resources. There were no sponsors to speak of. People were uh, flying by the seat of their pants, just you know, trying their best. Um, we don't have to do that. You know, number one, we have this book. Number two, uh, we have our sponsors. I, I mean, I don't speak to my sponsor that often. Um, when I call her, it's because I have heavy-duty step tens, like recur recurring step tens, and these are probably most of my phone calls when I have questions about a sponsee. Um, so you know, the big book was written at a time when there was a need to go out looking for sponsees. Of course, now that's not necessarily the case uh, because we have meetings where people come in um, um, looking to get well and you know, shortly they're going to be looking for sponsors. But this, the, the same rules still apply. The same guidelines and directions that the big book outlines are still apply. You know, um, people come into the rooms with all sorts of different motivations. And most of us don't even know that we are ill, and some of us don't even accept the diagnosis once we, we are told. And the big book tells us how, how to handle that. And I'm just going to go kind of page by page a little bit. Um, in page 89, sorry, my big book closed, so I'm just going back to op open it. It says, um, the, the, the very first... The very first instruction, um, besides you know the fact that we need to sponsor, is remember that they are very ill. They, like us, are spiritually sick, um, and may not even realize it. I mean, I didn't realize when I came in that that I was very ill. For me, it was a relief. Like I just welcomed that idea because it meant there was nothing wrong with me for my morals, my character. Um, my 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 willpower, my intelligence, nothing. I was just ill. Um, but for some people, it may be a shock um, and very very difficult um, to accept. So we need to remember that they are ill. Then further on, it tells me, don't start out as an evangelist or a reformer. Um, I wish I had read that because um, you know I guess um, when I recovered. Um, I was trying to convince every everyone who would talk to me that um, they were compulsive overeaters and they needed to do what I what I, what I did in order to recover. But you know what I've learned now with time and experience and, and a lot of maturing 
that it's not our job, it's not my job to convince anyone that they have a problem or that they need um, the solution contained in this book. You know, like I, I definitely was an evangelist and reformer and I, and I probably turned off a lot of people, you know, like I really ruined my chances of, of, of being helpful. But, um, you know, um, I made so many passionate arguments of why they should, I mean, and because I, I believe that, like I tried so many things for so many years, four and a half decades of failure, um, that I really just wanted everybody to recover. Um, and it did not work because no matter how much I wanted others to recover, willingness and acceptance, I would add to that, is a one-mind job. So it says, you know, so cooperate and never criticize. To be helpful is our only aim. So for me, that means that all I need to do is plant a seed, and maybe the seed will sprout and maybe it won't. And maybe I will, maybe it will sprout, but I won't see it. Maybe that I will plant the seed and it will sprout, I don't know, 10 years from now or in a different meeting where they'll get a different sponsor. I have no idea, but I, I just need to tell them what it was like, what happened, and why I'm like that now, and let them, um, let them uh, come to their own conclusion. Um, you know, um, page 90. Um, it says, um, if there's, it talks, there's a lot of this in page 90. It says, if he does not want to stop drinking, if there is an indication he wants to stop, if he wants to quit for good, if he would go to any extreme to do so. The question is, does the pro, 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 prospect want what we have? And these are questions that enable us and them to figure that out. And it's not only enough to want what we have, it's are we willing to do what we do? Because I've come into contact with a lot of people, and I myself was one of those people in the very beginning that I wanted what you had, but I wasn't willing to do what you did. You know, I remember a long time ago, long before I came into program um, in my kids' nursery school, in, in, in one of my children's classes was this beautiful mother, beautiful uh, figure, beautiful face, beautiful personality, like I wanted to be her. And one day I got my the courage up to ask her, you know, like what do you do to look like this? And I was expecting like, you know, those those annoying answers, oh well I I eat I really eat like a pig, you know, I, I don't I don't really exercise. I don't really know why I have this figure. I guess God just made me this way. But that's not the, the, the answer that I got. She said, you know what, I work very hard to have my figure. And you know what I asked her after that? Gornished. I didn't say a word because I didn't want to work out. I wanted a magical answer. I wanted a pill that would give me a beautiful body while I could still eat everything I wanted. And so I wanted what she had, but I wasn't willing to do what she did. And, you know, it happens in the rooms. When I came in, I was the exact same way. Um, only desperation will make, uh, makes, me, makes me willing to do that. Um, I'm just going back to page 89, because it says here, um, you can help when no one else can. You can secure their confidence when others fail. 
Um, I tried so many different things before coming into OA. I mean, like, OA is not the very first place that people come when they need to lose 10 pounds, uh, although I needed to lose over 70 pounds. But, um, you know, the, 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 the required nutritionists, gyms, classes, diets, therapists, you know, you name it. Um, um, but these people had no credibility in my eyes because they didn't know what it was like to, to be me, and they didn't know what it was like to be me, so I could uh, give them many excuses, and they, I don't know if they would buy them, but at least they seemed like they did. But not, not so with another addict, not so with another compulsive overeater, because, you know, we've all been in the same places, done the same things, thought the same thoughts, felt the same feelings. So, you know, like, you can't pull the walls over our recovered um, compulsive overeater. But so how do we gain the the confidence of of another addict when all others fail. So it tells it starts in page ninety one and it says it says tell him enough about your drinking habits. Meaning tell him your story, you know. Um, but there's a caveat. Don't mention the solution, you know. It says but say nothing for the moment of 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 what you have accomplished, you know. Tell him tell him of your escapades, how you used to eat you know, how you used to feel, you know, take him through an example of the cycle of disease, you know, how I started a diet, uh, many diets for me, but how I started a diet, and then something would happen in my life that would be good, bad, or neutral, and that would set me off, you know, like my mind would say, you deserve it, you need it, you know, it won't hurt, you know, whatever it is, and then I would just you know, go for the tiny sliver of cheesecake, which would turn into a slab of cheesecake, and the feel, feelings of, of remorse and self-loathing and, you know, disgust, um, and the resolution to start a diet again tomorrow. You know, um, let them know that you struggle like they struggle, because the purpose here is to um, illustrate the desperation that maybe they may become desperate. Make them um, need it, make them want it, and make them willing to do it, which is the most important thing. Um, uh, it says, um, page 80, uh, 92, uh, give them an account of the struggles you made to stop. You know, so tell them, talk to them about the allergy. Maybe not using those terms, but tell them, you know, like, Every time I put a potato chip into my mouth, um, I cannot have a handful. I can have the whole, I need to have, I need to have the, the, whole, the whole bag. Um, show them the mental twist, you know, which once I finished all the potato chips and I have stopped and, and sworn never to eat potato chips again, um, show them the mental twist um, that leads to the first bite, that leads to the, to, to the binge, you know. Uh, explain how the two of them play together, you know, the, the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. But here's the most important thing. Let him diagnose himself. It says, um, hmm. be careful not to brand him as an alcoholic. Let him draw his own conclusion. And, you know, there's, there's several pieces in the big book where um, it gives us instructions on how to, how to uh, self-diagnose. You know, there's, um, in page 31, um, it says, we do not like to pronounce any individual as alcoholic, but you can quickly diagnose yourself. 
step over the nearest bar room, for me a Chinese buffet, and try some controlled drinking. Try to drink and stop abruptly. Try it more than once. Um, then in page um, 34, this is page 34, where is it? Um, if anyone questions whether he has entered this in dangerous area, let him try let him try leaving liquor alone for a year. For me, it was chocolate. If he is a real alcoholic and very far advanced, there is scant success. Chance, there is scant chance of success. And then in page 44, it says, um, if when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, or if when drinking you have little control over the amount you take, you are probably alcoholic. So. You know, we don't have to tell people you are um, because it's not going to sink in. People have to come by it um, very, very honestly. Um, then it says, the big book on page 92, make him feel hopeless. It says, continue to speak of alcoholism, compulsive overeating in my case, as an illness. Talk to him about the hopelessness. Um, and... In page 93, it tells, wait for him to ask you how you got well. Let him ask you that question, then tell him what happened to you. And this is giving in order for a reason. You know, like I, I know somebody, you know, in my, in my personal life, um, she is um, maybe 400 pounds, homebound, a diabetic. Um, now she's having um, kidney problems and severe depression. And I spoke to her, um, you know, a while back um, and um, telling her how I eat, you know, because um, the doctors that she had been, she had to be hospitalized many times. They said, you know, maybe you should go to OA. And so I told her, she told me this, and I said, I'm in OA. And I started to tell her, you know, how I ate. And with a straight face, and I, she was very sincere, she said, but I don't eat like that. And I told her, I asked her, so really, you just have a, a tiny little piece of cake and you're satisfied with that? And she said, yeah, you know, I don't even eat, finish the whole piece of cake. And then I just asked her point blank, I mean, because we know each other, a little, you know, somewhat well. And I said, so then why are you so fat? And she said, I don't know. Um, so there was really nothing to work there. She wasn't identifying with me. I mean, this identification is very important. Until I identified, I wasn't willing to go through this rigorous work. You know, um, it says, I think, at the beginning of the instructions for, for step four, it says these are drastic measures because this is a drastic illness. But if people don't recognize the, 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 the drastic nature of our over illness, they're not going to be willing to um, to implement the drastic measures. Um, so anyhow, so I left it at that, um, and I continued to visit, but the matter never came up. Uh, it still hasn't come up again till this day, uh, which makes me very sad. But I I can't make her. I cannot make. I mean, if if all these health problems cannot make her feel hopeless, um, I certainly can. Uh, all I can do is um, to be available. Uh, so once they ask the question, then we tell him what happened to me, you know. Um, and, and what I do actually is I don't tell him I found God in the steps. First I say, you know where I am now? 
um, I am at a place of neutrality with the food. I basically um, tell them about the promises in step 10. You know, I'm not fighting the food. I'm not going on diets. Um, I'm not avoiding temptation. Uh, and I'm never tempted. I don't feel deprived. Um, you know, I just use food for energy. And when the meal's done, it's done. I don't, food does not dominate my thinking one way or another, either thinking what I'm going to eat next or how I'm going to stay away from the food next. It just does not come into the picture except when I'm preparing my lunch and eating it. Um, and this is why I tell them first, you know, so they can have a great contrast between the horrible abyss of active addiction and the bliss of um, recovery. Um, you know, then there's people who may have um, problems with the God thing. Um, I never really had to deal with anybody who's atheist or didn't believe in God. Um, but a lot of agnostics and even religious agnostics, you know, agnostic means without knowledge. Um, even people who are, um, I mean, I come from an Orthodox Jewish community. Uh, I live in an Orthodox Jewish community. I deal with Orthodox Jewish people. And, you know, even, even we are agnostic and don't realize um, the power that God has to help us, you know, for whatever reason. So in page 93, it says, he can choose his own conception of God. Um, and that is very important because a lot of us um, come from um, backgrounds where God is a punishing God. Um, that was not my story. I have always believed that God is good, that God is helpful, that God is loving. You know, my, my, my problem was um, I didn't believe that God um, had time for puny little me and my petty little food problem. Um, and that was hard to get over. Um, you know, and this is just to, to show that even somebody who, who truly believes in God can still be an agnostic. And, of course, I don't feel that way anymore because God is unlimited and he has time for anything that's happening, big or small, no matter where. Um, so who am I to limit God? Uh, then page 94, um, it says, outline the program of action. Um, you know, um, and actually I just look in here that um, the word drastic is also in here. And it's important for him to realize that your attempt to pass this on to him plays a vital part in your recovery. Um, you know, our, our sponsees help us more than we help them. You know, I have a sponsee, um, she's probably on the line, and she's probably smirking, who always tells me, you know, thank you so much for your time. I'm sorry to take so much of your time. Um, and I'm always telling her, you know, you are helping me more than I'm helping you. Not only I draw inspiration from you, not only I... Um, uh, remember what it was like for me, you know, but this keeps me recovered, uh, which is the most important thing that I do today. The most important thing that I do today is not to stay abstinent. The most important thing I do today is staying recovered so that I continue to have access to uh, my relationship with God, who is my solution, and without my sponsees, I wouldn't have that. Um, you know, 
then the excuses come, right, on page 94B. They may give reasons why he need not follow all the program. He may rebel at the thought of drastic house cleaning, which requires discussion um, with other people. Do not contradict such views. And again, I think it goes back to the, to the, the principle of, you know, don't be an evangelist or a reformer. You know, so maybe the person is convinced that they are sick. So maybe the person is convinced that they need this solution. But they also need to be convinced that the only way to get the solution um, um, is through, through the steps. And, you know, again, willingness is a one-man job. I cannot make them be willing. I can just tell them. I tried to, I was nine years in the rooms of OA uh, before I recovered. I came in 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 um, January of 2003, and I recovered in December 2011. That's when my recovery started. And I tried different things. I tried so many different things. I worked all the tools. I went to meetings. I spoke to a million people. So I had a checklist body, which is very popular here in Toronto. I don't know um, in other parts. Um, and all these things didn't work. Then I switched to another um, incarnation of the OA program, the 90-day program, and I weighed and measured my food. I went to three committed meetings. I spoke to three people. I read a page of literature every day. I wrote in my journal every day, and nothing really happened. Um, you know, I had to come to my own conclusion that um, I needed to work the steps. And then it says something very interesting. Do not wear out your welcome. Okay, and again, it gives me a whole bunch of ifs, right? If he has trouble later, if he's not interested in solution, um, if he can do the job in some other way, etc. Again, it's not my job to convince, like it was not my job to convince my friend. It's still not my job to convince her. Um, um, somebody here on this line says, a man convinced against his will is of the same uh, mind still, I think. Um, you know, people really have to buy into this. Otherwise, they're not going to be going to any lengths. Um, and, you know, half measures avail us nothing. But then it says, do not be discouraged. Um, you know, everybody knows that Bill Wilson tried to carry the message uh, in the exact same way I tried to carry the message at the beginning um, in a very forceful, passionate way, and it didn't work. It didn't work to make other people want it and recover, but it did work to keep him sober, and it is uh, working to keep me abstinent. You know, what is my success rate? You know, people ask, how, what is my success rate? I mean, I've been sponsoring for seven years, um, and um, I used to say, well, I only have um, two recovered sponsees. You know, I had other recovered sponsees, but they stopped working the program, and they um, went into the food again, but then I heard somebody, something in this line that I loved, and I said, my, my success rate is 100%, because I am still 100% recovered. Um, then in page 98, um, I mean, I wish I had read this more carefully when I first started um, sponsoring. It is not the matter of giving that is the question, but when and how to give. And this is, I guess, maybe when codependence can, can, can arise, when we start to care about our sponsees' recovery more than we, they care. Um, and we can't. And we can't. Um, 
I cannot care about my sponsor's recovery more than they do. Um, you know, and this is a case where maybe some tough love um, comes into place, you know, um, like saying, you know what, then, you know, don't call me until you're abstinent uh, or don't call me until you've done the work um, that I've asked you to do um, because sometimes sponsors just want to vent, they want to commiserate, and they want to um, be validated that, that they, they're hard done by. But that's not the job of a sponsor. I mean, I'd be doing my sponsors a disservice if I told them, oh, yeah, for sure your life sucks. Because what happens after that? Like, what's the corollary to that statement? Go and eat. I can't do that. I mean, that's totally the opposite of what I should be doing. And so, you know, um, I can tell them, yeah, I realize it's a, it's a difficult experience, uh, but, you know, you need to do the work. And until you do the work, there's really nothing to talk about. Um, you know, um, sometimes I'm that blunt and sometimes I'm a little bit more gentle. It depends on the person. Uh, but I cannot fall into that enabling um, mode. Number one, because it's not good for them. It's not, it's not service. It's the opposite of service. And also it's not good for me because I'm not carrying the message and I put my own recovery at risk. Um, so having gone through the instructions, I just want to say um, a number of things. Recovery is not an overnight process. You know, um, page 83 um, tells us um, that this is part of step nine, but uh, it says there is a long period of reconstruction ahead. Um, and there's, there's other, um, there's other um, uh, references to this, this, this kind of um, um, theme in other parts of the book. Um, like page, um, 100, in page 100 says, his defects of character are not going to disappear overnight. Um, page 117, um, but all problems will not be solved at once. You know, there'll be ups and downs. So um, where I'm going with this is that it's also my job as a sponsor to manage expectations. You know, um, I, I wanted a magic pill. I wanted to come, deal with the food, the weight, and be done. And I wanted it yesterday. And most people do. But the truth is, I've been living this disease for, for in my case, for 46 years. Is it going to go overnight? No. I had over 70 pounds to get rid of. Did I gain those 70 pounds overnight? I mean, although I did gain them pretty fast, um, it wasn't overnight, and they're not going to disappear overnight. You know, uh, I tell my sponsees, as long as your food is clean, uh, you're going to be okay. Because with the food clean, we can work the steps. Uh, the speed of your weight loss uh, or weight gain, as the case may be, and the speed of your recovery is in God's domain. We do the footwork. God takes care of the outcome. Abstinence and the steps are our footwork. Weight loss and recovery, removal of defects, removal of the mental obsession, that is an outcome, and that is God's um, bailiwick. Um, um, I'm just start looking at the, the, the time. Um, and I just now want to go into some myths. And um, I should have said at the very beginning that these are just my opinions only, okay? You don't have to take any, um, let alone all of what I say. Um, but um, um, step 12 
gets summed up into one word, service. But step 12 is not service in the way that we have come to think of service in the rooms of OA. And I'm not knocking the need to do service. I do service too. Um, and we all have to do it because it just helps run meetings uh, and program uh, more smoothly. But, you know, although it's helpful, it's not, it's not carrying the message. You know, arriving early at meetings, setting up chairs, counting the seven traditions, being the intergroup rep, et cetera, all those are very important jobs. They help run the meetings. They help run um, the fellowship. But these do not per se carry the message. They do facilitate the carrying the message, but they're not strenuous work. Um, so um, again, this is kind of controversial perhaps, and I, I repeat that this is my opinion only. Outreach calls are service, and they are important for everyone, no matter where the, in the recovery journey they are. But also, they are not necessarily carrying the message. I mean, I get a lot of outreach calls, and a lot of them are just very bland. Um, you know, hi, how are you? How's your program? Oh, good, great, goodbye. Um, and, you know, it's just take, a, take a, an item off the list. You know, so I just want to put it succinctly. We cannot replace sponsoring by making outreach calls and setting up chairs. Sponsorship means one compulsive overeater intensively working with another compulsive overeater. Um, so who can effectively sponsor? Pay, it is another myth. Um, I, I, I've sponsored people, oh my gosh, that I had no business sponsoring because I was told, your abstinence for 30 days, go and sponsor. But page 164 clearly states, obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. Only recovered compulsive overeaters should be sponsoring, and I guess, um, an advice for those looking for a sponsor, ask the question, are you recovered? And how do you know that you are recovered? Have you worked the steps? Do you still have the mental obsession? Interview potential sponsors because, um, because that's the, that, that's, those are the only people who should sponsor. I, I had a sponsee once uh, in my early tenure in OA where um, I was never recovered. But I was told sponsor, so sponsor. And somebody, I, I made a, I, I did a, um, a qualification at one of the meetings, and somebody came up to me and asked me to be her sponsor, and I was a sponsor, and I had no clue what I was doing. I don't, you know, we she just basically calling me with all her problems, um, and not much done was done, not much more was done. I mean, and and then I lost my abstinence, and I told her, I said, listen, I lost my abstinence. I don't know if you want to continue working with me. And she said, I still want to continue working with you because you still have what I, what I want. And now looking back, I'm thinking, really? I'm still fat. I haven't lost an ounce of weight. I'm still wild and crazy as a goat. I can't keep my life together and I still have what you want. Um, you know, it was dangerous. It was dangerous. And I think this lady actually left program. Um, I saw her not too long ago, um, just from afar at a, at a supermarket or somewhere, and she was, she was pretty big. Um, so another myth that sponsoring, um, carrying the message is optional. It is not. It's one of the 12 steps. Um, 
not admit, I have to sponsor a million people. And that's not true. Everybody sponsors to, to the best of their ability. You know, one sponsee is all we need, you know. Um, another myth, I'm on my own when I sponsor. I'm not on my own. Not only I have the big book, but as I said at the beginning, I, I have my sponsor. I go to my sponsor. Uh, most of the time when I call my sponsor, is with questions about, um, about, uh, about, about sponsees. Um, and then I have to keep my sponsees for the rest of their lives. And that's also not true. I, I have my sponsees call at a definite time slot so that I can assure that I'm going to be available when they call. But once they're recovered, I cut them loose. And they can still call me whenever they want. They just don't have a designated spot, a reserve spot, if you will. You know, they send me a text and they say, you know, can I, you know, are you available at such and such time? And, you know, we make arrangements to talk. I do the same thing with my sponsor. Um, I don't speak to my sponsor regularly, certainly not every day, not even every week. Um, you know, once you're recovered, um, you need to clear the spot for somebody else who needs to work the steps. Um, I want to uh, just two, two, two more final words before I close, and it's the issue about firing sponsees. And this is very, very controversial. Um, there's some people who say, you know, after a sponsee, um, after a sponsee has um, relapsed several times, it's obvious that I cannot um, that I cannot help them. So I have to cut them loose because because to um, because to keep them would be doing them a disservice. Because obviously I cannot help them. I need to let them find somebody who will, and and that's very reasonable. Um, it, it's it's it definitely um, has validity. Um, I don't do it that way. I'm not saying it shouldn't be done. Um, I, I did cut off one, only one sponsor in my seven years of sponsoring, um, but I only did it um, uh, because I knew there was somebody more qualified to help her, which was another one of my sponsors, my, one of my recovered sponsors. I said, you know, I want you to work with her. But I don't, I don't cut off sponsors uh, for two reasons. Um, that's not what uh, Joe and Charlie um, teach, and I, I'm a student of Joe and Charlie. And, and also in the story of Jim, it says here, uh, page 35, to his consternation, he found himself drunk a half a dozen times in rapid succession. On each of these occasions, we worked with him, reviewing carefully what had happened. In my experience, sponsors realize when something is not working. Um, so they'll either just fire me, um, you know, in a nice, polite way, or sometimes not so polite way, or they'll simply just stop calling. But one of the reasons why I don't fire sponsees is because that just breeds dishonesty. Maybe sponsees are not going to be honest when they go into the food. Um, and I, I think that I have to give my sponsees a safe environment to be, to be rigorously honest. Um, the, 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 the second final word is, as I said before, I can care more about their recovery than they do. Their recovery is their responsibility. My recovery is my responsibility. And I just want to close by saying, um, share it or wear it. Um, it has come to mean in the, in the rooms of all. Nessa, we, we lost you. If you would press star one to unmute your phone, I'd appreciate that. Hi. Oh, thank God he's near the end. There you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
So uh, I was saying, um, share it or wear it. People think I need to share my problems, otherwise I'm going to eat over them. So people come to meetings or call um, on outreach calls and just barf their problems in the hope of, of, of getting some commiseration. But that's not what it means. Share it or wear it means share the message. Pass on the program of recovery. Otherwise, you will not get to keep it. It's, it's what was said. Uh, what we said at the beginning of the meeting, uh, of the meeting, um, uh, what um, um, it says on page 89. Sorry, I'm just um, <laughs> again flipping onto onto the onto the book. Um, practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. It works when other activities fail. If I don't share it, I'm going to wear it. And uh, I, with that, I pass. Thank you for the uh, opportunity to be of service. Thank you so much, Nessa, for your succinct um, sharing this morning for your presentation. So we're now going to transition uh, to a question and answer period. Um, if you have a question for Nessa, um, we invite you to press star one to unmute your phone and give us your, your first name and, and last initial, and then we'll, uh, we'll take some, some questions for Nessa. So who would like to, who has a question for Nessa? Summer D. Summer D. Summer D. Summer D. Summer D. Okay, let me tell you who I've heard. Yeah, let me tell you who I've heard so far, you guys. Okay, I've heard Irene, Summer, and Sima. So who else? Mary Ann B. Mary Ann. Any other questions for this first round? Kathy W. And Kathy. Okay. All right. So here's who I have. And if you would, if you're not Irene, if you would press star one to mute your phone so we can have a, a clear line and um, everyone else can can, uh, other than Irene, can, uh, can mute their phone. Okay, Irene, um, it's your, your turn to ask a, a question of Nessa. Good morning, Nessa and Larry. Thank you so much for your service. And Nessa, thank you so much for this beautiful, beautiful share that you did this morning. I just got pretty much my first sponsee, and I, I, I'm so thankful, so timely. Tell me that God... It's not in this equation. It's amazing. The question is, what pitfalls, what errors? I, I know that, that, that we, you, you mentioned that you made a lot of mistakes in sponsoring. Just from your personal experience and in general, um, I, we heard a lot of what we're not supposed to do. But if you could expand on that a little bit more, I just don't want to mess anybody up. And, and um, yeah, that's the question. You know, I just want to make sure I do a good job. Uh, well, first of all, let me say congratulations that you uh, mastered the courage oh. to respond C. Um, it takes a lot of they're courage. The ones with the, they're the one with the courage. I was scared to death, and, and she says, yeah, you can do this, you can do this. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so scared. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So um, what I have learned in my years of sponsoring is that, um, you know, we all want to do a good job. Um, 
and none of us want to screw up, especially when it comes to the life of another human being. Um, and what I would say to this is, first of all, there's nothing you can do to screw things up because a person's recovery is their responsibility. So while even though you're sponsoring, your job is just to be a guide to show your sponsee what you've done so she or he can replicate it. Uh, but the responsibility for the recovery is your sponsees and not yours. You know, a person can have the best, sponsee, the best sponsor in the world and not recover. Or they can have the worst sponsor in the world and recover. Or maybe they have no sponsor at all and they just take the big book and recover. So, so you know, like my first advice is, is stop worrying about the kind of job you're going to do um, because it is their responsibility. Your responsible is for saying, this is what I was like, this is what I did, and this is what I am now. Uh, and if the person is just receptive to follow your instructions, then you're off to the races. I didn't do that. I, I didn't do that. I wanted to be perfect sponsor, and I was an evangelist and a reformer. And um, it didn't work. I, I know. I hope, I hope this answers your question. Okay. So now um, if everyone would mute their phone again, if you're not Summer, and uh, so that we can have a clear line. Good morning, Summer. Good morning, Larry. Thank you again for your service. And Nessa, oh my goodness, this is so perfectly timed. My name is Summer D, and I am calling from Vision SoCal, and I had no idea that God was going to have this be an opportunity to uh, to announce myself as an available sponsor with 257 people on the line, uh, but it is turning out to be that way. Um, for anyone that does want to contact me, um, I am on the website. Hey, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna interrupt you. I'm sorry. So sure. this is a period for uh, for questions for Nessa. Do you okay. have a question for Nessa? Then we're gonna. Um, we'll have I do. Uh, I have a comment and a question. So it was really great to hear. I I I only say that because I literally two days ago got released to sponsor. So um, I love what you said, Nessa, about the importance of going to meetings. And you said at first, strong meetings are important to go to to gain the skills to practice these principles. But once recovered, strong meetings continue to help us learn, but also weak meetings so that we can carry the message. So yesterday, I went to my face-to-face -face meeting for, for the first time in a while. There was over 40 people there, and I was very shocked. But I did have my big book, which I've heard Harlan say, just carry the message by bringing your big book and sharing from it, and I was able to do that. But my question is, during the OA, so people know that I'm part of vision, and I want to share vision because I believe so strongly in what's happening here. Um, but during the OA-related announcement portion of meetings, is it okay to share about vision during that time, and do you do that? And if so, how do you do that? Thanks. Um, yeah, so um, we, we do do that. We started a meeting here, uh, Pattern After Vision for You. Um, before that, um, I used to go to this, to this other meeting, and I tell you, this is um, shortly after I recovered, so that's when I was a, a reformer and a, an evangelist, and I came out, elbows out, um, bull in a china shop, 
telling everybody, like, basically, this is how you do it if you want to, you know. And, and because I've been in the rooms of OA, people knew me, and people knew what I, used to, what I used to look like, and then they saw me, and it was like, what a shock. So I thought, wow, well, I have, you know, I have, um, I have, I have some influence here because they see the before and after. And every word out of my mouth was, the big book says this, the big book says that, vision for you this. Um, that, that didn't, go, work, that didn't work, go well. I mean, that created just a lot of, um, I don't know, uh, resistance, I would say. Um, I become a lot more gentle since then in, in my shares and how I, how, how, how I, how I approach it, um, you know, talking only about my experience and my beliefs, because nobody can argue with my experience. And I do say in my experience and the big book and this meeting, um, so um, a few of us who listen to Vision for You regularly started this face-to-face -face meeting here because you do have to have a core group to start a meeting. Um, and uh, we print flyers. Um, we print flyers and we distribute in the meeting and we basically say, you know, this is a very strong, healthy meeting, um, a lot of recovery, you want to hear recovery, and we pass around the flyers. We tell them, you know, it's on the phone, and so you can listen from your pajama, within your pajamas. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Um, so we do do it. We do promote this meeting, and uh, once we get a hold of some flyers, uh, God willing, we will also promote the November uh, Power of the Book Convention as well. Oh, that's fabulous. Thank you so much, Nessa. Have a great day. Thank you. Okay, we have uh, Sima. Good morning, Sima. Do you have a question for Nessa? Good morning. Thank you, Larry, and thank you, Nessa, very much for your uh, really much-needed uh, share because I'm trying to encourage some sponsees to sponsor. and You've helped me deal with some of the difficulties I'm having with that. So I just want to know if there are any of my sponsees that are listening. This question is not about you, but um, about, I also believe and say that I don't fire people. Eventually, they either stop calling me uh, more, more often than not. But there are some people that call, they say, oh, yeah, I want to continue working with you. But what they really mean is, I just want to continue and have you listen to my problems. And uh, how do I, how would you, or how have you, if, if you have had that experience, let go of those people because it, it's not helpful to me and it's not helpful to other people that I could be using that time for uh, without saying, don't call me anymore, you know, or something to that effect. Or, um, yeah, I you know what I mean? Yeah. I've, only, I've only told that to one sponsee, and that was because I wanted her to work with a recovered sponsee of mine. Um, that I thought would be probably um, a good idea for both of them. Um, but, you know, I don't really let people um, um, gush their problems on, on the phone. Like, I give my sponsees 15 to minutes to half an hour of time, and I don't want to spend 15 minutes and ha or half an hour of time listening to their problems. So I stopped them, and I said, you know what, I need to, to stop you right there. You know, and I tell them I'm not... I'm not a social worker. I don't know how to, you know, this is not my, my daily wig. But, you know, what I want you to do is I want you to make a note of this, um, just a few words, put it on page 67 of the big book, um, just so that you remember. And when we get to step four, 
we will deal with it in the format of step four. Because when we are at step one, just trying to figure out, okay, am I, am I powerless or not, um, you know, there's, there's nothing to work with. I cannot help my sponsee address the, 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 the root of the problem, which is them, right? Like when I have a problem, I am the problem. Um, you know, and at that point, they're, you know, they're not ready to, 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 to even grasp that. So I try to keep them focused on the step that we are at at the moment, one, two, or three, and then I tell them, you know, I'm going to stop you right there, make a, a quick note, put in page 67, and we'll address in that step four. Um, you know, a few of them do follow my advice, and the other ones just, just you know, fall by the wayside. Thank you so much, Nessa. That's very helpful. Have a great day. Okay, be well, you too. Okay, next up we have Mary Ann, followed by Kathy W. Mary Ann, do you have a question? Yes, I do. Thank you. This is Mary Ann V. from beautiful upstate New York. I wrote uh, down that Nessa said she she said, call me when you're abstinent or call me when you've done the work, both of those things. But then you said, don't people. So if someone struggling with their accident, you call your accident, they don't get accident. Marianne, I'm going to stop you for a second. It, um, you're breaking up on your line. I don't know if uh, what the cause of that is, but and I don't know, Ness, if you were able to hear the question better than no, I was. I, I was very garbled here too. I think she was asking yeah. about um, me, how to, um, I guess, redirect sponsees, but I'm not really no. sure. Let's Can try. Hear me yeah, now? let's try it again, Marianne. Yeah, that's Can better, Marianne. Better? Why don't you go? Yeah, let's try it okay. again. All right. So what I said was I wrote down that Nessa said she sometimes says to sponsees, "Call me when you're abstinent," but then she also says she doesn't fire sponsees. So if you were to say that to somebody and they can't get abstinent, then what happens? You know what? Then that's that's the answer, right? Like I cannot. I cannot work the steps with somebody who's not abstinent. It just won't work, right? I tried it. I tried working the steps without being abstinent, and they never got me abstinent. If you read Dr. Bob's story, um, he was a deeply religious man working um, faithfully the six tenets of the Oxford groups, which are the predecessors to our 12 steps, and that didn't get him sober. Uh, I cannot make somebody be abstinent. And so there's not nothing I can do to to help them get there. I can give them tips. You know, I can say, you know, uh, distract yourself, you know, just one meal at a time, one day at a time. You know, I can tell them what worked for me. Um, but beyond that, I cannot do any. I cannot do much. I mean, it, it, they got to be willing. And, you know, either a person is willing or they're not. And I know for me... The only thing that made me willing was when the pain of being in the food was greater than the pain of not being in the food. And if, this, and if the sponsee hasn't gotten there yet, maybe they need to do some more eating, you know. Um, I, I, I can save their spot, you know, I can tell them, listen, I will not take on another sponsee instead of yours, uh, instead of you, but you gotta, you gotta stay, you gotta get abstinent. Um, you know, there's nothing to work with if Asponsi is not abstinent. You know, and actually sometimes telling them that is doing them a favor because maybe that will get them that will get them faster to the place where being in the food is the most painful thing they experience. 
Thank you. That's helpful. All right. Thanks, Marianne. Okay, before we open it up to another round of questioning, we have Kathy W. with the question. Good morning, Kathy. Kathy, press star one, if you would. Hi, this is Cassie W. Sorry, the mute guy didn't unmute me. Um, this is Cassie W. from Denver, Colorado. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, my question was, um, I was wondering, I'm very early in the steps, so it was very interesting to hear your talk, and thank you. Um, it was interesting to hear, um, like, what my sponsor goes through. Um, my question is for, like, someone early in the steps, what your idea of, like, what your talk benefit could give me. Wow, that's that's an excellent point. Um, I would say, um, you know, we we tend to look. Uh, um, speak for me. I tended to look ahead. I started programming. I was focusing on step four. You know, I wasn't even at step one. I wasn't even ready to admit powerlessness, and I was already thinking about about writing an inventory of all the nasty things I had done. Um, and then when I did step four, I was worrying about my gosh having to do amends to all these people that I hate. Um, and I guess the advice here is focus on the step you're on. Don't look ahead because by the time you come to step four, you'll be ready for step four. By the time you get to step nine, you'll be ready for step nine. By the time you get to step 12, you'll be ready for step 12. But at step one, I can't be ready for step four. Uh, in step four, I cannot be ready for step nine and so on. So focus on the steps um, that, you're, that you're on. Um, don't worry about, you know, don't put the carriage in front of the horse in, in, in more succinct ways. Um, and also know that um, this, is, this is really um, a commitment. The program is a commitment and is, is a responsibility. But, you know, mostly it is a responsibility to yourself because you are responsible for your own recovery. And I think this is the, the, the main message, and this is the, what Step 12 tells me. I'm carrying the message because it helps me um, um, stay recovered. Do I enjoy it? I love all my sponsees. It's such great uh, joy to see them blossom and recover and, 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 and live happy, joyous, and free. But ultimately, you know, it's, it's for my own recovery, right? So, so, so be responsible for your recovery. Don't make your sponsor responsible for your recovery because it won't work. I guess that's probably the, the, main, the main thing, you know, focus on the step you're on, work it with diligence, and be responsible for it. Cool. Thank you. Okay. Step right up. Step right up. Who's got a question for Nessa? Bonnie G. Press star one. Bobby? You said Bobby? Margaret Bobby. D. Margaret D. Okay, Carrie Margaret. Anthony. Was that Bonnie? Uh, hold on, yes. Terry Ann. Was yes. it Bobby or Bobby? Okay, great. Bobby, Bonnie. Margaret, Terry. Bo Bonnie. <laughs> okay, thanks, Bonnie. Matthew F. Matthew? Anybody else? Okay, so we have Bonnie, Margaret, Terry, and Matthew. So um, if you can mute your phone if you're not Bonnie. And Bonnie, go ahead with your question for Nessa. Hi, this is Bonnie G. in South Florida. 
uh, recovered one day at a time. Uh, how do you start a new person? Uh, you know, how do you give them a food plan or what you have them read first? Uh, I am so glad you asked that question because I didn't cover it in my in my presentation, and now I um, I realize that I should have. But that's a starting point, right? Like the the, the sponsee has to be abstinent to be to be able to work the steps. So, mm -hmm. so what we what I do is I um, go through an exercise that I was taught on how to identify the food um, the food ingredients. The, the, the actual foodstuffs and the food behaviors that I'm allergic to. And I give them a, a set of questions um, um, to, to do that. Um, um, I ask, what are the foods that you normally run for comfort? Um, when you have no access to those foods um, because you're on a diet or whatever, um, what other foods do you use instead? Um, and what um, what are the foods that you always negotiate over? And that tells me um, what kind of foods I'm allergic to. Um, then to identify ingredients, I ask them to list all the foods, all the foods that they ever tried to control, whether they controlled it successfully. And then we, we divide uh, um, I mean, Foods contain salt, fat, sugar, flour, crunch, uh, and you know, just take ones that apply. And this helps me identify uh, trigger ingredients. Um, the trigger behaviors are more difficult. Um, and what I do is I just give them examples of my own and examples of other sponsees that I've, I've seen so that it could, could jog their memory. And so when we review it, I tell them, okay, so these are the things that you need to abstain 100% from. Um, no, no yellow, green, and red foods, uh, light foods, and no black, gray, and, and, and white. You know, if anything is on the yellow category or the gray category, cannot be had. I mean, foods, foods in uh, the gray foods are foods that I know I have to give up, but I don't want to. And so they have to be abstained 100%. And so once we identify that, I, I tell them, I can give you my food plan, you know, or and you can use that. And obviously, um, 100% from all these ingredients and food that we've identified, or you can go to a nutritionist um, that will develop a custom-made plan for you, taking into account all these ingredients, all these things that we have just um, outlined. When I was first given my my food plan, I actually went to check it out. I, I was given it, to, given it by my sponsor, a weight and measure uh, plan without sugar, flour, sweeteners, caffeine, a whole bunch of other things, plus my own individual triggers. And I went to check it out with a nutritionist, and she told me that it was a sound, a sound uh, food plan, except I could, eat, I could eat unlimited vegetables. Uh, and so I just smiled, I paid her, and I said, thank you very much. And then I know I cannot eat unlimited anything because I can binge on celery. That let me know that my food plan is, is, is basically, that's how, that's how I do it. Um, then once and sponsees are abstinent for three days. 
Hey, Nessa, if you would hold uh, for one second here. So I'm hearing some wind in the background. I don't think that's Nessa. So there's somebody that's unmuted. It could be Bonnie, Margaret, Terry, Matthew. If you guys would all mute your phone, and then Nessa will continue, and then we'll move on from there. It's easier for us to hear. Thanks so much. Okay, Nessa. Sorry three to interrupt. Days. And so once they're abstinent for three days, we start working the steps by going through the big book. And I start at the inside cover uh, where it says uh, how the story of how um, thousands, I can't remember it now. Um, anyhow, and, and continue on through the preface and the four forwards and, and, and onwards. And I hope that um, that helps you. All right. Okay, now we're going to get on to uh, Margaret's question, followed by Terry. Margaret, press star one to unmute. Good morning. Margaret, we can't hear you. If you would Good press morning, star one. There you May are. I be Here I, you where? where? Sorry. Um, um, first of all, I apologize. I believe I was one of those that was unmuted. Um, um Nessa, thank you so much for um, your service this morning. It really, um, it's important. It's just really important. Um, so my question is this. Kind of what I'm realizing is that I am not responsible for anybody else's um, sobriety or abstinence or their recovery through the steps. But I'm kind of thinking, how do I harm or hamper that recovery? And I think one way that I do it, might do it personally, is when I make the sponsee responsible for my recovery. In other words, if they don't recover, then I get to beat myself up. And then the other thing that I might be doing that might be um, aiding and abetting, if you will, is when I drop into like a lot of slogans like work it like your hair's on fire or, you know, things that, or once a cucumber, never a pickle, or once a pickle, whatever that thing is. And I find that sometimes that's really confusing to newcomers. I know it was to me. Margaret, what could is, you, if I may, if I could jump in, I, I think you were just about to pose your question, so sorry to step on you. Go could ahead. Could you elaborate on that? Okay, so so I think your question is, um, how do I shoot how do myself I, in the foot? Yeah, how, how do I get out of my own way? Um, yeah, so, and and I and I hear you because um, I used to do the same thing. You know, for us addicts, uh, we are so self-centered and self-absorbed. I, I'm so self-centered and self-absorbed that everything revolves around me. So if somebody's not recovering, it must be my fault. Okay. So to that, I would say two things, and, it's, and I don't even know where the, the balance is, where the line is. But first of all, everybody's responsible for their own recovery, right? So I need to know that in advance, that if my sponsee doesn't recover, it's not because of me. Um, as I said before, a person can have the best sponsor in the world and not recover. A person can have the worst sponsor in the world and recover. It's all in their willingness and motivation. But having said that, there's room to see, okay, what could I be doing better? I mean, in, in, in step 11, um, you know, we meditate as to, you know, what could I have done better? 
And, and the idea, as it says in step 11, is to review the day constructively, not destructively. So constructively, destructively means what I have done wrong and beat myself up, uh, you know, be focused on the past. Constructively is the opposite, is focus on the future and improve upon your present experience. So if something that I'm doing is not working, you know, like for example, when I set out to convince my sponsees that they should be eating what I was eating and not eating what I was not eating and they should be doing things the way I was doing them, you know, um, I realized that wasn't working. So, and so, so we do have to look at ourselves and say, you know, is there something that I can need to learn from this and, and improve upon? Uh, and, if, and, if, and if yes, if the answer is yes, then of course I, I put that into practice. But if the answer is no, then we have to just, just let it go and say, you know, this is my sponsee's responsibility. Um, and I would use step 11 for that. And I would, you know, say, you know, God, just guide me. I, I, I don't know if, you know, if what I'm doing is helpful or not with this sponsee. Show me clearly how I can improve or show me if I need to, you know, let, let go. Not let go in terms of firing the sponsee, but let go in terms of caring more about their recovery than they do um, than they do themselves. Um, does that address all, their, all, the, all the points? I, I don't know. I think there was a second point here, but I can't remember. I owe you a big hug. Yes, thank you so much. That was wonderful. I will collect on that next time I see you. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Margaret. Yeah, the line to hug Nessa is on the left. But now we'll go on the right line. We got Terry with the question followed by Matthew. Hey Terry, good morning. Terry, press star one if you would. Okay, we can't hear you, Terry, so we're gonna come back to you and we're gonna go to uh to Matthew. Matthew, are you ready for, with a question for Nessa? I'm here. There we go. Good morning. Thank you both for your service. My question is, how much personal information do you share with a sponsee? A couple of times I've had a sponsee say, you know, where are you from? How old is your son? What do you do for a living? And I'll answer the question very quickly and then do my best to try and move on to what we're dealing with in the moment in terms of the recovery. And my other question is similar, is how much of your own recovery do you share with the sponsee, like your own inventory and amends and things like that? Oh, that's a, an excellent question. Um, I would say, I would give my answer, but I would say it really depends on, the, on, on your own comfort level. Because like, I'm not as, a, as, as, as um, private a person as um, um, other people. Um, I believe that anonymity um, has a role to play outside of the rooms, but not inside of the rooms. Um, and I learned this because when I did my step four, um, and I, I believe that people are not afraid of step four, people are afraid of step five, which is disclosing all those nasty little secrets to, to somebody else. Um, and my sponsor said, me too. To me, like a whole, the, the weight of the world fell off my shoulders. And so um, I don't have a problem with sponsees asking me, and sometimes I would even tell them, 
because it's a way to build a connection, a chemistry, but it's also a way for them to identify in that, you know, like I'm human, I've been where you've been, I've done what you've done. Um, I share a lot about uh, my recovery, um, my step fours, my amends, my defects. Um, again, because um, it, 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 it's part of the role model. Like we sponsors are role models, right? You want what I have. So I want to make sure that you see the whole package that, you know, because otherwise sponsors can think, well, but you've never been in my situation, so how would you know? You know, like it would be easy for you to say, you know. So, so this way they know that I've struggled with the same things too. I mean, sometimes I haven't. I mean, not, 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 to experience, not to individuals are the same in their experiences, but I do share a lot. And it's because it brought me so much relief to hear my sponsor say me too when I was giving away my step four. It made me feel, okay, I'm not a horrible, rotten, uh, horrible human being scum of the earth, you know? Um, and I want to make sure that my sponsors also know that. Um, I just find it very, very helpful. And as I said, um, I, I rely on the fact that this will stay between us, that it will not be taken outside of, of the rooms, certainly. Um, if it's shared with other people inside the rooms, it will not be attributed to me. You know, like, for example, I, I know somebody who, and, you know, and that's fine. Um, I don't know, I might be in the minority in this regard, um, but I don't have a problem letting them know, you know, hey, you know, I live in Toronto, I'm 46 years old, I have three kids, my youngest is 18, you know, um, that's not a, not a big issue for me. It's just part of building the human connection. Thanks so much for the question, Matthew. Hey, Terry, are you, are you back on the line for your question? Oh, I'm not 46 years old, by the way. I'm 54. I was 46 when I recovered. <laughs> all right hey, terry what, what about that question no okay maybe terry's question already got answered hey nessa do you have time for a couple more questions maybe or a couple more hugs or okay Hugs right. always. okay good 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 anybody else with the question for nessa darian k deborah r deborah jen a Jen. Okay, let's let's close it with that so we can get get out with uh, get Nessa out of here at a reasonable amount of time. You've been so generous with your time. So we have Darian, Deborah, and then Jen. Hey, Darian. Good morning. Hey, Larry. <laughs> How are you? Um, yes, hey. Nessa. Oh my gosh, so good to hear you. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, yeah perfectly. Okay. Um, so good to hear you. Um, I, I can't wait to connect with you personally. We've been trying. <laughs> um, so I, um, I just have a question. I'm sponsoring a couple of people and um, sending them, you know, a little bit more information each time. Um, but then I don't hear from them for days. Um, and they're supposed to be, I, I have them sending their, their food and, um, you know, trying to connect with me. And so for, you know, days, sometimes weeks at a time, I don't hear from them. So I think, oh, okay, I'm going to let them, you know, do their thing. It's their recovery. I'm not responsible for it. And then I feel bad. And then so I send them a text, like, how are you? <laughs> and then we get connected again, and it sort of goes on for a little bit, and then it falls off. And so I'm just wondering, you know, if you've had that experience and maybe what you do in that case, because I don't want to sort of over, um, 
over sponsor if that's a you know term but i also want to help people and also be a kind human being and caring so if you could answer that thank you sure thank you yeah of course yeah i've i've had that um and again my answer is just my own experience my own opinion and i might be in the minority or not um getting in touch with the sponsor is the sponsee's responsibility so i don't chase my sponsees i i do make it clear that if we don't talk i can't help um i the only time i would call a sponsee and i i have done it is when I, I have sponsees who are very punctual and responsible and they call me every day at the appointed time, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they, uh, if they stop calling me for a day or two, then I would, I would um, contact them and make sure that you know, everything's okay uh, because it's out of the, the ordinary that they don't call and so I get concerned. But when I have sponsees that just call sporadically or don't call at all, I don't chase them. You know, at some point I do say to them, number one, if you don't call me, I can't help you. And number two, I cannot reserve a spot if you're not going to use it. So if you're going to use it, I'm happy to work with you. If you're not going to use it, I want to give it to somebody else, to somebody who, who, who needs it, wants it, and is willing to do it. Um, that's just my approach. I hope I hope that uh, it yeah. helps. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for the question, Deborah. It's your turn. Followed by John. Good morning, Deborah. Good morning. Good morning. Um, thank you very much, Nessa, for your share this morning. Um, in the past, I've been told, um, you know, if I'm working harder on their abstinence than mine, what's wrong with this picture? And I learned the phrase, is there anything you'd like to tell me? And I was surprised how people open up and go, well, I haven't really been whatever. And I just wondered if you had any um, sayings in your repertoire and experience, strength, and hope that also help the newcomer kind of, I hate to say unburdened, but if they're not abstinent and they're hiding it, um, have you come across anything that seem to get them to open up to, to start fresh? Thank you. Um, well, I just learned one. Is there something you'd like to tell me? I love that one. Um, I guess the answer to that is, is no. Um, when I do start working with somebody, I do tell them that I, I cannot police their abstinence. Um, and I cannot know whether they're being honest or not with regards to the foods and ingredients that they're identifying as triggers. Um, and I say that um, if you are truly entirely abstinent, the steps will work. If you're not truly entirely abstinent, the steps won't work. Um, and I won't know. Like, I, I, I won't be any wiser for it um, if they're not... Um, being honest with themselves or with me, uh, but no, I don't have any 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 wise um, sayings. I'm not a I'm not really a a wise person. I just um, I just uh, usually call it like it is, and I try to be as gentle as possible. Uh, and sometimes I do, and sometimes regretfully I don't. Thanks Thank so much, Deborah. Thank yeah, thanks for the question, Deborah. Okay, Jen, we're going to wrap it up with you. Good morning, Jen. 
Good morning, Larry. Thanks for your service. Nessa, thank you so much this morning um, for taking us uh, through the big book, working with others, and sharing your experience, strength, and hope. Um, my question to you is, um, we know that it's a practical program of action. We know that if we follow it precisely but not perfectly, we get to step 12. And the question I have for you is, how do you rely on your higher power? And how do you lean into God when it comes to working with others and sponsoring? And can you give like a practical scenario of, like, uh, of how you leaned into God um, when you're working with someone? Thanks. That's a beautiful question. That's a, that's a beautiful question because, you know, step 12 says we practice these principles in all our affairs. And, of course, sponsoring others falls into the category in all our affairs. Um, and so God has to play a big, big role. Um, you know, when, when, I, when I started sponsoring and, um, <clears throat> and um, marketing, I guess that's the only word I can come up with, marketing the solution passionately to anybody whom I came into contact with, I was not really aligned with God. Um, and, um, of course, it didn't work. Um, you know, and, and I asked a lot of questions to a lot of people, especially somebody um, whom um, I've never personally met, actually, um, that I email from time to time with the really tough questions um, in um, um, west, of, in, uh, west of Canada. And, um, and um, he, he said, you know, to be gentle. And so I find that sometimes God speaks to me through other people, which is why I go to my sponsor a lot. Um, I don't try to be a know-it-all because I tried that and it didn't work. Um, so when I don't know how to handle something, I don't know the answer to a question, I ask other people, people that are wiser than me, that have more experience than me, and more importantly, that are not emotionally involved because sometimes we do get emotionally involved with sponsees. You know, I, can, I love my sponsees and I want them to do well and I want them to recover, and sometimes that clouds my objectivity. So going to others is, is a way of doing that um, and keeping God in the picture. You know, like, where's God in all this is the ultimate question. Um, and, and with that, I would say um, in step 11, when I constru constructively review my day and I look at what could I have done better, um, that's, that's when I, um, that's when I um, get to see what's working, what's not working, what's um, God-driven and what's Nessa-driven. Um, um, that's it. I guess it's hard to answer that very profound question in like two minutes without having uh, time to ponder it. It's an excellent question that I need to think about more. Thanks so much, Nessa. What, what a beautiful job you did carrying the message, and we're, we're certainly appreciative of that. Nessa, would you be kind enough at the end of the recording to share your contact information with everyone? I, I would love to. I can leave it on the recording, too. Okay. Well, sure. If you want to, if you want to do that, then we'll end with the, um, we'll end uh, with page 164 and vision for you. I'll read. So go ahead and if you'd like to give your contact information, that'd be terrific. Sure. Um, before I gave my number, let me just tell you that this is Canada. Your phone plans may or may not cover Canada, but you can uh, text me and I'll call you. Um, my phone number is 416-562-6072. Six zero seven two. Okay, so 
Nessa's contact information in Canada, 416562, was it 6202? No, I missed that. <laughs> <Five>. <laughs> I messed it up. 562-6072. <laughs> 6072. Thanks, Nessa. Appreciate that. Once again, thank you so much for that. Great honor and pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. Okay, we're going to close with um, page 164 in the chapter vision for you. <clears throat> okay, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.